As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to I Am Refocused Radio with your host, Shamaya Reed. This show is designed to inspire you to live your purpose and regain your focus. And now, here's your host, Shamaya Reed. Hey, welcome to I Refocus Radio. We are here once again, and today we have another show lined up for y'all. We're going to talk to an amazing guest today, Dr. Hank Lasky. He is an amazing person. He has an amazing book, The Global Pharmaceutical Industry, Economic Structure, Government Regulation, and History. So today we're going to talk about not just his backstory, but we're going to talk about everything with pharmaceutical. First and foremost, Dr. Hank Lasky. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Shania. Thank you for having me. Man, you got that biblical name, I see. Oh, yeah. Yes, you're, you're right about that, man. <laughs> Both my grandparents were uh, the ones responsible for that, so I appreciate that, man. Okay, but your mother signed the birth certificate. <laughs> well, touche. You're right about that. She co-signed what they came up with, so you're right about uh, that. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> appreciate Don't want to take anything away from your grandparents. Yes, sir. Well, we have you on uh, today on Army Focus Radio, and we're going to talk about everything with your background with the pharmaceutical industry, but also your book that I mentioned earlier in, in the show. But kind of start with the audience about your, your history and your experience, because you have taught this too in, in courses and classes. You were an MBA director of um, pharmaceutical and chemical studies at, uh, yep. at that um at that point in time, can you kind of touch on your career and how that has prepped you to write this book? Okay. You want me to talk about that? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I first got involved with the pharmaceutical industry when I was an undergraduate student at Clemson University and uh, a chemistry major. And luckily, one of the graduates of Clemson University during World War II was the commander of the supply lines and logistics of the European theater, uh, General Littlejohn. And at the end of the war, he brought back a kind of an encyclopedia sort of thing called Berichte, 
which was a compendium of the Unified German Chemical Societies. And um, what happened was at the end of the war, the Allies uh, made public property out of all the Axis patents. So where the industry was concentrated in Germany, big time, um, we took all their patents and now we have an industry that is basically 80% of it is in United States, Western Europe and Japan, uh, those very countries where we fought that war. So I suppose you could say to some extent that uh, I was given my gift by um, General Littlejohn. Um, later, when I became a, uh, when I finished my PhD, um, I taught in a bunch of schools um, around the world. And um, I began to realize then something that really solidified in my mind many years later. And, and that was that chemists um, working in the laboratory um, or any phase of discovery research, they, they can't talk to the marketing people very well. Um, and the marketing people, just the same going the other way, they can't talk to the chemists or the scientists very well either. Um, and especially in this day and age, it is critical that the marketing people talk to the scientists in the laboratory. It's just critical um, for many reasons, mainly to lower cost. Um, but as you mentioned, um, I later became the MBA director of the Pharmaceutical and Chemical Studies Program at Fairleigh Dickinson. And I got a bunch of doctors, MDs, physicians in my classes, trying to get an MBA degree. And I also got business majors um, who were pursuing a, an MBA degree as well in the pharmaceutical sciences. And what I found is they, those guys couldn't talk to each other. I mean, the first time I ever talked about profit, those MDs looked at me like I was the God reincarnate, Jesus, the devil reincarnate, I should say. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and that lasted for weeks. Uh, because they just didn't get economics at all, just like the business students didn't get chemistry or microbiology or um, whatever it is. So um, then it took me 15 years to write this book, Shania, huh. 15 years. And what I hoped to accomplish was to provide a broad-based um, description of the industry, um, its economics, and of course, government regulation, but also its history, so that those two sides of the fence, kind of, sort of, so to speak, um, could read it and talk to each other, which is just, just critical, like I say, in this day and age. Um, as we pursue all sorts of new diseases and seek to lower costs at the same time. So that's that's uh, I, I also taught inside of each of the companies 
um, the big ones, Bayer, Johnson and Johnson, Shearing Plow, Pfizer. Um, and I found the same basic problem there. I had the hardcore scientists, um, but I also had their um, finance people, their accountants, you know, et cetera. And gosh, almighty, just getting those people to talk to each other about what I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. what the class was all about was difficult. So that's another reason. It's probably the main reason why I wrote the book is to get the industry to talk to one another. Listen, I'm Focus Radio talking to our guest, Dr. Hank Lasky. And man, you mentioned scientists. You 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 have a, I guess you can say a famous phrase that uh, a lot of people probably will, will catch sooner or later, but it's nerds live in labs around the world. And that they're the base of the pharmaceutical uh, industry. <laughs> Can you explain a little bit about that statement to our audience? Okay. Um, you know, words are a funny thing. And something that I talk about in my book is the different languages of the world, cultural values, religions, etc. And when I use that word nerds, I am not using it in the funny sense that we sometimes use it, or any kind of a derogatory sense. I am trying to show the the, the, the um, business people that these are really serious scientists. I mean, these guys, if they don't have a master's degree, they've got a PhD, and they've had it for a long time. And they've done a lot of research, and they've produced a lot of drugs or candidate drugs. Um, so w- when I say nerd, I mean, I used to be one, I probably still am. Um, certainly when I was a chemistry major and synthesized intermediate from corn, um, I was, and I probably still am because I can read this stuff and, and I can understand it. Um, so I, I guess you would say if they are nerds, then I'm a little bit schizophrenic because I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry and I have a master of science degree in management. And then my PhD is in marketing. So, you know, I I stand in the campus with one foot in the College of Sciences and the other foot in the College of Business. And And I'll tell you, Shania, there are not a whole lot of people like me. I know that. I've experienced it myself. Um, you know, taking on a task of writing about all the di- all the different disciplines of business, you know, the disciplines of marketing, and then talking about chemistry in a way that doesn't offend the the non chemist, um, you know, but but giving an, enough insight so that chemists themselves can see what I'm talking about. Let me give you an example. There are just a handful of feedstock materials uh, for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, And how many of the scientists inside the laboratories, the young ones in particular I'm talking about, because this book is primarily intended for the young ones who are moving up in the industry or who want to change positions in an industry or or even enter the industry. Um, but to, to study, you know, 
both the, the business side in this book and the chemistry side in this book and then the history uh you got to be a little bit schizophrenic tonight <laughs> so so i think i turned in my nerd boots and i became a schizophrenic but uh 15 years it took me to do it like i said i didn't go lightly into the night as so the saying goes and this book also illustrates a a kind of behind the scenes look for people who are not even in this field to kind of get a taste of what actually goes on and what happens and you mentioned regulation when it comes to uh policy and politics and all that good jazz what really what what uh, general snap picture for the audience was the process like for the development of new drugs and for them to be approved and to enter the market okay okay um here in the united states it's the food and drug administration um in in europe in the european union it's under the enterprise directorate general uh and in japan it's largely in the prefects themselves um but Generally speaking, they tend to follow our FDA, or Food and Drug Administration. Um, because we're the largest market in the world, the FDA is the largest you know, regulatory agency in the world, um, the rest of the world tends to follow their lead. Um, but also in the international uh, conferences on harmonization of regulation, which have been going on for a long time now, all over the world, different cities every year, you know, they'll have their meeting and they'll uh, try to try to work out a way to, you know, keep everybody happy so that when you apply for a license to sell a drug across state boundaries in the United States, you need FDA authority. Um, and what the FDA does is um, they assemble uh, a group of outside experts uh, in the field from wherever they may be, and they have them evaluate the clinical data. Um, now, let me get into that in a second, but the first time I ever heard about clinical data, <laughs> I wondered to myself, what in the world is clinical data? What does that mean? And basically what it means is doctors are involved and patients are involved. And where you go to see the doctor is a clinic, um, not necessarily by that name. It could be a doctor's office, but clinical data involves physicians who are hired by the drug manufacturer or the marketing company, but typically the manufacturer at this stage um and they you know the, the what happens is the, the these meetings take place and the data is put in front of these guys and they know what's going on before they get there yeah and the, in the FDA meeting the, the experts in the field they know what's going on so when they read the stuff you know the the results of the trials the clinical trials uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. When they read it, um, you know, they pretty much know what's going on. So they look at that data. And it takes them a day or two or three. They spend the night in Washington. And then they make a recommendation. 
And that goes before the FDA commission um, and the FDA commission votes and either it's up or down. Um, now let's talk about clinical trials and clinical data. Um, the industry is basically divided into four parts. There is the discovery research, which is the nerds and the scientists. And then there's manufacturing, which is some nerds, but largely chemists and chemical engineers, um, you know, figuring out how to scale it up, et cetera. Uh, and then there's, then there's the actual um, manufacturing of the drug in, at scale and then the marketing. So I want to focus on the development stage. That's the second stage. Uh, the discovery of the uh, biological activity has already occurred, um, probably in an animal model. Now, in order to go to man, you have to have uh, safety and efficacy in at least two species of animals. Um, and if you do, then you get the go-ahead to go to man. And that's when the clinical trials start. So the, it, the doctors will recruit their patients. They know what kinds of diseases they have, of course. Um, and they recruit them into a clinical trial, which might have 100,000 people in it. Um, some of these studies in Scandinavia are, are that big, and I, I wonder... How many people are there in Scandinavia? You know, you, you probably got one in 10, but but um, they're big studies um, and they evaluate the safety of the drug, number one. Um, and then number two, the efficacy of the drug, uh, how well it works. And if you get approval on both of those, um, another, I'm sorry, if you get good data on both of those, and you put the good data before the, the committee and the FDA, and you get the go-ahead, You what you get the go-ahead for is the actual manufacturing. Um, and um, um, you know, that's, that's uh, kind of a hurdle. Um, that's a hurdle, but you have to, you have to give them the safety data, then the efficacy data, then you get to go to phase three trials. The, the previous work was done phase one, and that's the discovery in phase two, that's the development. But now you're, you're going scaling up in the manufacturing and you need a large supply of the drug. Um, so you can go to phase three trials, which is you got to keep track of what's going on, but you can go to a larger base of people, a larger bunch of consumers, so our patients. Um, and so then uh, at, at, that, at that development stage, um, you go to phase three trials, and that's the big ball of, of money, man. I mean, look at what Moderna reported today. Uh <laughs> I mean, they or maybe it was yesterday evening. They reported success in a phase three trial of a respiratory syndrome virus, the RSV virus that's sweeping the world right now. Um, they they reported success in a phase three trial. Well, well, man, if if you have success in a phase three trial and you put that in front of the commission 
and the 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 uh, they vote on it. You get to go to marketing. That's when your manufacturing really does start to kick in, man. And you're making a lot of this stuff, and you're distributing it in as big a market as you can produce the drug for. And you've already you already know um, how many people have the disease because your marketing people were involved. Now, I want to make that point again. I made it a, a couple of minutes ago. The marketing people increasingly must be involved in the other phases of the pharmaceutical industry because they know the market. They talk to the doctors. They get the consumer feedback, the patient feedback, all of it. Um, does that answer your questions, Shania? Oh, yeah. It definitely does. And... uh Speaking of uh, just the market, consumers, and the corporate world, the process of research. What is the what does the relationship looks like with the scientists and you know the corporate brand, whatever X brand is that wants to do this? What does that process look like? Do they have meetings and say, "Hey, I have an idea to treat this or do this"? What does that look like from someone on the outside looking at? Okay, okay. Um, uh, first of all, discovery research takes place in only about 10 countries of the world. Um, the innovation in drugs is, is limited primarily to the United States, Western Europe, and Japan. Um, so, you, yeah, you, you have people who have done research at probably a university in a graduate program and they have, um, you know, gotten some ideas about uh, drug development, and um, they are hired by a pharmaceutical company, or they start a lab of their own. Um, and there are a lot of these labs. The, let me let me just say that uh, during COVID nineteen, when Pfizer. Uh, put its drug on the market. Um, they got it through BioNTech, um, which is a husband and wife uh, owned company, a, a, a basically a laboratory, a research laboratory in Germany. Um, and uh, Pfizer had had a relationship with BioNTech like it has with many, many research laboratories, including its own. Um, and Pfizer, all of the big companies are basically marketing machines um, that are being, you know, restrained, so to speak, like a wild horse at the reins by government regulation. Um, and, you know, if, if politicians, uh, rather than physicians, D decide what medicines you can get. Uh, something's wrong. You know, something's really wrong. And and I think we're facing that situation today. Um, but to get back to the discovery research question specifically, um, yeah, they typically go through graduate school. Um, they have some ideas. They either get hired. Uh, I know some guys that... Uh, did did the did the laboratory of their own near Boston, 
Um, and uh, they started developing their own protocols and things to develop a specific uh, line of product. Um, and Pfizer, for example, stepped in and uh, gave them a lot of money. And in exchange, just like with BioNTech and COVID-19, you enter into a contractual relationship with the marketing behemoth. And you say, you know, if you strike it rich on in the in the laboratory, so to speak, that you will market it through the marketing behemoth and you will share in the profits. And the husband and wife team that owns BioNTech in Germany, they are very, very rich today because that share, their share of the profits was enormous. Um, so the deals that are made between the scientists and the largest drug companies in the world, the marketing behemoths, so to speak. Um, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, they're good contracts. You know, if if your drug, if you think that you've got the drug to end all, cure all of cancer, let's just say, and then and you put it in a one species of animal model and it looks okay. You put it in another species and you looks okay. And then you go to the big drug company and you say, look, I think we ought to develop this thing. And they'll consider it. And if they put it into development and man, those clinical trials just stink. Well, then, you know, you're in default uh, on your contract and you know, the, the marketing company is just going to step away from you. But that doesn't mean they're going to turn their back on you. Um, if if the directors, the vice presidents, the executive people of, of the corporation, the marketing corporation, if they still think that this line of research has merit, then they will continue to fund the laboratory, um, you know, at least partially, um and uh go forward um and many of these laboratories they exist like that year after year after year filing for grants from the large pharmaceutical companies um and they'll file for grants you know apply for grants for several different pharma companies just on the hopes that one of them will bite um and once they've got one then Typically, they'll go multi-year contracts with them. So does that answer your question? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you listen to this right now, you need to go get 
the book, The the Global Pharmaceutical Industry, Economic Structure, Government Regulation and History. We're talking to our guest, Dr. Hank Lasky. And yeah, this is something I think people should really dive into. What would you say to the young minds out there, specifically uh, young minds, across the world because we, we I think we can use all minds in, in, in this practice and in, in this industry, if you will. Your book, yeah. it, it, it dives into the introduction for those who may be interested to enter or to take off into the industry, whether they are from a perspective of business development or they're literally, you know, doctors, what have you, who are trying to excel. What was yeah. wisdom that you give to those listening right now who may uh, be interested to dive deeply and, and take this as a learning curve? Yeah, um, the, the young people in particular, uh, those who, who might be uh, in an undergraduate program or even a master's program, um, and they haven't really decided what they want to major in. Let's say they're juniors in, in college um, and they've got had a few electives and things and they, they like chemistry pretty well or microbiology um, or any of those sciences to, to include agriculture. Um, you know, medicinal botanicals are, are a really big deal in many, many countries of the world. Um, but if, if, if you're thinking about what you want to do in your life, with your life. Well, in the first place, if you're like me, you want to do good uh, with your life. And you can do good in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, In spite of the fact that it's heavily regulated, and probably because it's heavily regulated, um, you can make a beautiful salary some of the highest in the world. Uh, Not only that, but you'll get wonderful retirement packages and stock options and all kinds of things that that will make your life happy, so to speak, outside of the laboratory. Or or even if you go into the marketing um, of pharmaceuticals or, or even the development and manufacturing, um, and you master that particular discipline or or job description, and you're a little bit bored, you know, and you'd like to take on more responsibility with your life, make more money, etc., then I would read the book because it's going to give you a, a breadth of knowledge um, where, where you are going to comprehend so many things when you're done. I mean, like I said earlier, it took me 15 years to write this book. Um, And it's jam-packed with information. I've had critics uh, on shows like yours, Shania, um, say to me that it is very readable, that it's very easy to understand, that it looks like a textbook, but it reads like a novel. you know, those were Logan Crawford's words in an interview he did with me about a week or so ago. Um, and I agree. I, I agree. I mean, I tried real hard, man. I, I chose every one of those words carefully. Let me let me give you just a quick example. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my wife and I own a house down in Puerto Rico. I used to be a surfer as a boy. Um, and when they de decommissioned Remy Bakes, we bought a house. Anyhow, so we go there quite frequently. And I brought my book down there and I've asked about who wants to translate this into Spanish. Um, and I, I finally found a guy who, you know, translates legal documents. So he's very picky on his choice of words. And uh, he took the book from me, he started reading it. He comes to see me the next day and he says, how do you expect me to translate this? Huh. And, and it was the, a sentence in the book that goes something like, uh, nowhere will you find more dangerous something or other than in the world of political economy where money and, and power you know, and, and it, it's fraught with uh, um, whatever I said at the on in that thing, and he didn't know how to translate that. I mean, he really got hung up on the use of the word fraught. Mm -hmm. So you know, words are are real important, man. I mean, and when you start talking about different languages, I mean, think think about this for a second in the European Union. Um, when, before you get your drug approved uh, in the whole EU, not in a specific country, you could do that as well. You could apply, you know, in an individual country, or you could go for the whole EU, or you could do both. Um, but when you do that, they have to produce the documents in like 11 different languages. Uh -huh. And that's picky stuff, man. I mean, you know, words have a lot of meaning. So I chose them very carefully. Um, I I almost, um, you know, suffered over every single word. That word fraught, I, I meant it big time. I mean, nowhere is anything fraught like government and economics and the power brokers of nations you know, inside administrations, man, you know, that's fraught with dangers of many kinds, uh, which is probably what I said, um, because of the money and power involved. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, uh, this is perfect. Uh, by the way, listen, I'm focused radio talking to Dr. Hank Lasky. And man, sounds like this is just something that people can really take their time to kind of learn, especially if they are outside of this industry. Someone, last question I have for you, someone who is not in this industry, clearly is not their career, but they want to dive into it deeper and, and learn more. Of course, we want them to get your book, but what would you suggest that they tap into if there are other resources out there for them to use additionally? Oh, yeah, there are, there are a lot of different resources. Uh, first, you know, I give a lot of references in the book. So if there's anything you're interested in, I've got a reference for it. Um, but I, I would suggest that they look at um, the big corporations' websites um, and what their job opportunities are um, and what they're hiring for. 
Um, you know, you're going to find, I, I think I looked at it yesterday or the day before, and Pfizer, for example, has over 3,000 openings right now um, that they're trying to fill. So, you know, go to the big corporations, the big pharmaceutical companies, and of course, Pfizer is the biggest in the world, and there's AstraZeneca um, in the in the Rhine area of Switzerland and Germany, and um, there's GlaxoSmithKline in England, and then there's Takeda in Japan, and practically everything else is in the states. Maybe three or four, one or two others are in Europe. Um, Johnson and Johnson, Abbott Labs, Eli Lilly, you know, they all have websites. Um, they all are looking to hire good people. And, you know, I was asked a question one time about what types of people succeed in this industry. Uh -huh. Um, and I think it's just dedication. You know, if if you want to dedicate your life to something that has meaning, you know, maybe you want to go into marketing. Gosh almighty, there are a lot of opportunities there. Maybe you are in the digital world. Artificial intelligence is a big deal right now, okay. especially in the processing of symptomology in a clinic to give you a diagnosis um, and prescribe a treatment. Um, and when you have to sample the human being uh, to do that, you know, it's, it's very helpful, but you must sample that human being. And that's, I don't know if you paid attention to the Elizabeth Holmes trial, um, but she she just bally boozled so many billionaires and big investment companies because she claimed that that her company was going to take a little bitty drop of blood and run all these tests and give you all this information. Well, that's fooey. You can't do that. She couldn't do it. Her company couldn't do it. Um, and it seemed to be uh, some kind of scheme between her and her boyfriend, anyhow, ultimately. But she was at Stanford. I mean, that's one of the top business schools in the country. Um, any, anyhow, you have to sample the human being. Um, and, and that place where you do that, um, it requires nurses. Um, to, they typically do that. Laboratories like LabCorp or Quest uh, that process so much blood and urine um, in the course of a week in mach on machines that do spectroscopy of one form or another. Um, so if you want to go into any, just even the medical sciences in general, hospital management, um, health, the healthcare industry is a big industry. And I ask you, quite frankly, where does the healthcare industry stop and the pharmaceutical industry begin? That's like asking, where does the chemical <laughs> industry stop and the pharmaceutical industry begin? Or the agriculture company and the agriculture industries and the pharmaceutical company for natural products. Um, so, 
you know, again, th- there's a breadth of opportunity. That'd be like uh, me. And like I say, I, I don't think you can find higher paying salaries anywhere unless it was back in the day at Google or Apple or something like that. But those days are gone. Um, and the pharmaceutical industry, it's stable. Um, it, it will be there 25, 35 years from now when you retire. Uh, and you're going to retire well. Let me ask you this, Shania. Where are you located? San Antonio, Texas. Okay, San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the I'm in outside Philadelphia, um, in what we call the Delaware Valley or the Delaware River Valley, and there are pharma companies all over the place here. Um, and you know, you go out to Pittsburgh, and they've got or Wilkes-Barre, they've got coal and petroleum and natural gas and all the feedstocks. So Pennsylvania is a rich state because of this pharmaceutical industry that it houses, as is New Jersey. Um, and I, I every day I drive around this place and I look at the housing developments and I, you know, wealthy, wealthy people live here. Um, and I think to myself, what did it take to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, why did the banks lend the money to buy all these houses and write all these mortgages? The If you can't prove that you can make the payment, you're not going to get the mortgage. Um, and, and typically at these houses, they're nice cars, not, not Ferraris or Lamborghinis, but nice cars uh, and several of them. So they have families, you know, they've raised families and they've done very well. They are retiring. Huh. They are basically the baby boom that came after World War II. They are retiring and they have all the experience in the world and they'd be happy to sit down with you and talk to you about it. Um, you know, all you have to do really is indicate your interest. Um, and, you know, there are different meetings you can go to. The American Chemical Society puts on some great meetings about in this area, seminar type meetings. Um, the American Marketing Association puts, puts great ones together. Uh, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers Association of America, Pharma, they do fantastic work with government and regulation and lobbying. You know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, lobbying your congressman, well, believe it or not, there's a job for you too. Uh, and like I say, the baby boomers is uh, retiring and, and there's a big demand. As you probably know from the economy in general, where they talk about inflation and the workforce and the size of the workforce, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, A lot of people are getting laid off, but a lot of people are choosing retirement. Mm -hmm. And they did that at the beginning of the pandemic. And during the pandemic, they just liked being at home with their kids and they had fabulous retirement packages. So they retired. Why not? Um, and they left the pharmaceutical industry hanging, so to speak. Um, so if you have a commanding knowledge of this industry, like I believe you will get if you read the book, um, a little bit of this and a little bit of that goes a long way. 
um, and you're interested and you're dedicated, you, you want to do good with your life, um, from nursing to engineering, you know, and from chemistry to marketing, you can find a wonderful job for yourself in this industry. Globally, where which country do you want to work in? You know, where do you want to go and travel to? Huh. It's a global industry, you know? I mean, it's fabulous. So, you know, no matter who you are, really, I mean, especially the elderly as well, um, and the, all the elderly, for the most part, in the United States, Western Europe, and Japan are on a bunch of pharmaceuticals. Uh -huh. um, you would be interested as well uh, to know about the industry that supplies these things for you and why you have to pay so much money, you know, why you need a prescription, you all of that. You've been listening to Ivory Focus Radio talking to our guest today, Dr. Hank Lasky, and his book, The Global Pharmaceutical Industry, Economic Structure, Government, Regulation, and History. You can get this book on Amazon. Man, I want to say thank you, Dr. Uh, Hank Lasky, for taking time to schedule talking to Ivory Focus Radio. What call to action will you want our listeners to take? Oh, wow. You know, where I am, if, if, um, if they're listening out there in the Delaware River Valley, we we hear you we hear you crying in the night, you know, and and we're doing the best we can to get you the best people available, and by that I mean people with an interest or dedicated and want to do something with their lives. But besides that, you know, I think I've said it all, Shania. I want to thank you uh, very much. I enjoy your program. Um, in preparation for this interview, I listened to several of your interviews that you've done before, and I like where you're at. I like where you go with this stuff. So thank you. Well, appreciate uh, Say thank you and appreciate your time for just not just being on the show, but sharing your, your experience. And I think you gave a lot of people some motivation, especially the young and bright minds out there. And you know, if you're kind yeah, of let me say there. something about your audience in Texas. Mm -hmm. I mean, Texas is growing, man. If you don't already know it, mm -hmm. it's booming, and it probably has the best economy in the in the United States. Uh, and there's a lot of oil and natural gas there. Um, you know, the feedstock materials are there. If an industry does not, if the industry does not exist there, and and and, and you know, look on the websites where are they located. Um, if it's not there, it should be there. Maybe you want to think about that. Man, appreciate that insight right there. Once again, I want to say thank you to Dr. Hank Lasky. You can get his book on Amazon. It's the Global Pharmaceutical Industry, Economic Structure, Government Regulation, and History. If you appreciate this amazing open book study if you will on this episode on refocus radio made you go support his book and support what he does if someone needs to find you or will want to find you online if they can how can they do so uh, i'll give you my personal um uh, email address um i am in the process of preparing a website um and again it took me 15 years to write the book. It'll probably take me 15 to do this website, uh, but it's not quite ready yet. So let me give you my email address. It is my name, 
Hank Lasky, H-A-N-K-L-A-S-K-E-Y, S is in Sam, uh, at Bell South, B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net. And if you wonder why I've got a Bell South telephone number, it's because my wife and I have a small farm in South Carolina where we raise medicinal plants and we extract the essential oils. Uh, and that's about where we are right now. We haven't really got to the development phase yet, which is scaling it up in manufacturing, et cetera, or clinical trials of any sort. But there are a lot of good medicinals out there, man. Let me just leave you with, with this thought, if I may. Uh -huh. um, the pharmaceutical precursor compound, Intermediol, um, it is found in quite a few plants out there. Uh, and it has anti-tumor properties. Um, it's good for skin lesions. It's good for cancer of the intestine um, and, and a variety of other things. Uh, it is that these, these medicinals are the drugs of choice in China, not just an option. They're the drug of, drug of choice. And the same in India. You know, Ayurvedic medicine is alive and well, as is ancient Chinese medicine and the medicines of uh, of the Polynesian islands, et cetera. You know, this is what they like. So um, there is so many, there's so many opportunities in this industry, Shania. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I hope your readers enjoyed this. I sure did. Awesome, man. Well, once again, I want to say thank you to Dr. Hank Lasky. Lastly, you can get his book, The Global Pharmaceutical Industry, Economic Structure, Government Regulation, and History on Amazon, anywhere you get a book. Thank you, sir. Once again, take the time to schedule. Talk to the Army Focus Radio today. All right. Thank you, Shania. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.